Hello and welcome to People of the Past. For this episode, we'll be going over the life and teachings of Socrates, and more importantly, his student Plato. It was Plato himself who took to representing everything we know about Socrates, as unlike his teacher, he actually wrote things down, and used his teacher as a figure to give his own lessons on moral philosophy and metaphysical theory. Plato was born in the 420s BC in Athens. Unfortunately for him, he grew up in the middle of the Peloponnesian War, during which Spartan armies would constantly be camped outside of the Athenian walls, burning crops and generally harassing the Athenians. However, this didn't seem to have much of an effect, even if death was a constant threat, because most of his focus was on the teachings of his instructor, Socrates. As was previously mentioned in passing, Socrates did not particularly care about writing down his teachings, instead relying on strong oral teaching traditions that the Greeks had been known for. Plato, however, would not repeat this and would write down any and all teachings or messages he wanted to get across in a set of dialogues. All of these dialogues are not actually told from the perspective of Plato himself, and all but one, named Laws, are actually told from the perspective of Socrates. Owing to the great respect he held for his teacher, there are also a number of books that have been claimed to be written by Plato, but we cannot truly confirm it. This issue is given even more needlessly complex problems, as the name we all know, Plato, well, is not his real name. His supposed true name is Aristocles, and Plato is coming from the Greek word Platon, which is a nickname based on the word Platos which means broad, and is simply a stage name given to him by his wrestling coach, which means the standard image people have of Plato, a small old man, is entirely incorrect because Plato was probably jacked. He even gives his thoughts on how people should do their best to not only increase their knowledge, but also do as much as they can to take care of their body, stating through Socrates, quote, no man has the right to be an amateur in the matter of physical training. It is a shame to see a man grow too old without seeing the beauty and strength of which his body is capable. And, much more humorously, there are reports of Plato debating with other philosophers, and after their arguments have gone nowhere for too long, he would begin to flex and discount his opponent for not being as ripped as he was. But, moving on to his actual teachings, Plato, like the previous entry, Pythagoras, would delve into metaphysics and explore the ideas of religion, science, human nature, love, and sexuality in his dialogues. Along with this, he would touch up on the concepts of perception and reality, nature and custom, and body and soul in multiple dialogues. One of Plato's most well-known teachings are his ideas on what he calls forms which are abstract, unchanging concepts and perfect ideals that can transcend time and space. He asserts that there are two realms that which we live in, the physical realm, which we can see and interact with and can change on a personal level, and the spiritual realm, or the realm of forms, which is the true realm that which the physical realm is just an imperfect reflection of. This goes with his idea on the base of knowledge. He claimed that while true knowledge could come from divine insight, there was an extreme difference in what you know and what is real. For instance, if a man who didn't know he was colorblind said something was gray or black, but it was actually red, 
what he knew was not actually reality. Plato believed that this was true for all parts of life, and using Socrates as a speaker argued against anyone who would call, quote, anything that they can hold in their hand as real, and insists that you must always believe yourself and be ignorant and humble in learning new things. The best way to describe this is in the allegory of the cave, also written by Plato. In this story, prisoners are kept in a cave with a large fire hidden behind them. Show puppets are put in front of the, re of the fire and spread shadows that the prisoners can see. So the prisoners believe that these shadows are real beings. However, one day, a prisoner escapes, learns of the fire, and realizes the shadows aren't real. He also learns that he can ascend to the outside world, which he has never seen, doing it so quickly that his eyes, unaccustomed to the natural light, are blinded. When he returns to the other prisoners and attempts to tell them, they see that he is blinded and now believe that the outside world will blind you should you see it, all of which is not true. Going back to the divine inside idea, Plato believed that the soul had innate knowledge in it, uh, that you would be aware of before you were born, and once you were born, you would lose the ability to recollect many of these knowledges, and that true knowledge comes from this recollection instead of things such as study or observation, making the argument in the Mino via Socrates that since a slave boy had used a specific geometric construction that he couldn't have learned from others since he had no schooling, that said geometric uh, structure must be knowledge present from a non-experiential form. The highest of these forms is the form of good. Plato describes that no one does a bad deed on purpose, as everyone will know innately what is good, and knowing what is good results in doing good, and one of the highest forms of good is obtaining the form of justice, which he describes as, quote, Justice is obtained when knowledge of how to fulfill one's moral and political function in society is put into practice. In terms of politics, Plato had a rather low view of democracy, as he felt that those voted in could be swayed by irrelevant features, such as one's background, looks, etc. Ruling was a skill, and the most suited should be the one to govern, no questions asked. Of course, Plato was convinced that the ones most suited to rule would be philosophers, as they were, in his own words, more knowledgeable of the world than the average person, and could not be bribed. Said philosophers would be trained in ruling as to be a proper king or queen, but would still be a philosopher at heart. Interestingly, he argued that it would be better to be ruled under a terrible tyrant over a bad democracy, stating that if you are living in a bad democracy, all the people of the state are responsible for the terrible deeds, while a tyrant would be but a single man who is responsible. As is normal for the classical Greek world, Plato believed and taught of the idea of an immortal soul and believed in an afterlife. During Plato's later life, he was always entangled in the politics in the city of Syracuse. During his first trip there, it was being ruled by Dionysius and his brother, Dion, became Plato's disciple. Dionysius would turn against Plato, however, and would almost execute him, instead opting to sell him into slavery. A fellow philosopher, uh, Anisares, would buy his freedom for 20 minae, which in today's currency is only $484. After he was freed, 
He returned to his philosophy school in Athens, until Dion requested he return to Syracuse to tutor Dionysius II on how to be a philosopher king. Eventually, Dionysius would grow paranoid, expel Dion, and force Plato to stay in Syracuse against his will. Plato was finally able to leave Syracuse as Dion would return and usurp his nephew. Plato would die somewhere between the age of 81 and 84, and unlike many of the people in this podcast, his death, in all varying accounts, was by all means peaceful, either in his sleep or lying in bed having music played to him. Next week, we'll be speaking on a historian of the Peloponnesian War, which we had mentioned in this podcast, with Plato growing up during it. Thucydides, please join me on the next episode of People of the Past.